0: It's time for a Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS, Shamhay, Urbana, where we talk all things eye along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com now here are your hosts lauren tate and steve kelly
1: good morning and welcome to a lot saturday sports talk with you until 11 o'clock this morning right here on news talk 1400 dws mr lauren tate is upright and in the house (laughs) good morning after hanging out sometime this week with some cheerleaders, <laughs> yeah, they, still with the cheerleaders, are you?
2: Rosso's always sticking, coming up with something. That surprised me, yes. Well, that's what... Well, probably surprised the cheerleaders, too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just another way to keep you young, my friend. Yeah, I see. We've got uh, several guests lined up for you. You got an open line right here off the top if you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. Then uh, coming up at 915, Martin O'Donnell will visit with us on Illinois spring football at 9.30. Kedrick Prince from the Quad City Times and IlliniGuys.com. We'll talk about uh, recruiting and all things basketball, a lot of uh, coaching rumors, assistant coaching rumors. Well, why don't rumors. you tell
2: us what's going on with the assistant coaches at Illinois and, and all this Kentucky business? What's going on, Steve?
1: Well, Kentucky is apparently, obviously, after Orlando Antigua, and maybe to another extent after Jim Coleman as well. We we'll, don't know exactly how that's going to play out, but uh, reports indicate that uh, Illinois has made an offer to make um, Antigua the highest-paid assistant coach in the country, if he would stay. And uh, if he goes, he'll also be the highest-paid assistant coach in the country if he goes well, back he to was, Kentucky. Uh,
2: well, O was already receiving well over 400000 working toward 500000 I guess. And I would, I assume, we were talking about doubling <laughs> it. I assume it's something of that nature. And yep. but uh, Illinois got to fight back. I mean, if people are going to try to steal your coaches, you got to make. I mean, it's really crucial that he stay because he's the guy that is the is the one who brought us. I would think it's fair to say uh, Kofi and Cribello and and of course, if you go back a year or two, I mean, uh, clearly he was on the inside on uh, Felice. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, he's kind of crucial to holding this thing together, I would think.
1: It is. It's kind of a good news, bad news situation. Good news is people are paying attention to, to who's doing the job, and they want to take them away from you. And well, the
2: thing is, he was at Kentucky before. I understand. They know him, and, and they had success when he was there. But r- right now, as of yesterday, as, I, as far as I know, he was still in the Dominican Republic. I, I don't know. I think he was vacationing. I think both he, those
1: guys, Chin and...
2: He was, Jen was in the Bahamas.
1: Yeah, they're, they're both on vaca- vacation, not together, but uh, they're out of here for a while to just kind of see what goes on. Kedrick Prince will have more on this. And with the with
2: the unfortunate thing that happened with uh, Kentucky on the death of a player in, in a car accident, um, I don't, you know, I don't know how much time Calipari's had to engage in this battle back and forth over uh these two assistant coaches, I, would, I imagine that for a couple of days it's kind of been pushed back, don't you think?
1: I do think that, and that was certainly terrible news to hear about Terrence Clark dying in an auto accident out in the Los Angeles area. He was working out and getting set for the NBA draft.
2: Yep, he had just worked out when, when the car accident happened.
1: 19 years old. Um, there's a lot of other assistant coaches around the country that are paying attention to what's going on here, mm-hmm. <laughs> regardless of uh, who stays or who goes, because uh, the U of I apparently has uh, stepped up and uh, made a, a significant offer to keep well, these Well, this guys.
2: is a terribly unique situation mm-hmm. here between Orlando Antigua and his uh, relationship with with players in, uh, well, Puerto Rico uh, primarily. I mean, we're talking about... Uh, Corbello being, uh, re- he's going to run the team the next couple of years, hopefully. And uh, if he would leave, <laughs> the the concern is obviously that these players have the option to leave with him if they want to. I mean, they can, and everybody can go anywhere this year, and the assumption would be uh, that I've always had is that that Corbello will be here, and uh, you know because he's tight with Orlando, he's tight with Underwood, and that Kofi might come back. But I mean, if 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 Orlando goes to uh, Kentucky, who's to say Kofi doesn't go with him? <laughs> he can go to he can go to Kentucky if he feels that's a better jumping-off place, or he can stay at Illinois, and, and or he can turn pro. I mean, he's got so many options that right now all the players have multiple options.
1: They do, and maybe the uh, fan base needs to take a collective uh, deep breath or have a Snickers bar <laughs> 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 until this comes about and see what happens. But well, uh,
2: it's crazy, you know. you, you just saw a uh, cop of of of, uh, of Northwestern uh, Miller cop going to Indiana. Uh, that's you know, there was a time, Steve, where it was very I will I don't almost say inappropriate and it wasn't permitted, although some did a few did uh, move within the conference but but that's always been kind of a no-no.
1: Was' not that long ago? That to do that, you had to jump through all kinds of hoops to to even get it done. Well, first
2: of all, if you go back to another 30 or 40 years, you couldn't get a scholarship. Right. And uh, that's what happened when Holcomb transferred from Indiana, who was in Peoria, transferred from Indiana back to Illinois. He couldn't get a scholarship. He had to play without a scholarship. I don't know how that worked out.
1: We'll talk uh, all things basketball with Kedrick Prince coming up at 930. Following that, a gentleman by the name of Bill Riley, who does the Utah basketball play-by-play. is going to tell us more about Alfonso Plummer, another Puerto Rican connection. He's a transfer guard who is coming to the University of Illinois, uh, reportedly at least. We'll see, see if that uh, stands up through all of this. But uh, he's a, a shooting guard. We'll learn more about him at 945. Coming up in the second hour, Howard Milton, the uh, U of I Associate, Senior Associate Athletic Director for Development, Kind of runs the iFund. He'll join us to talk about things going on there. And then, speaking of Indiana, at uh, 1030, Jeff Rabjohns from 24-7 Sports in Indiana will check in with us as well.
2: There's a lot of things going on in, in the Big Ten and certainly at Indiana that I think are of interest to everybody, and particularly in basketball we're talking mainly. And uh, Rabjohns is on top of that kind of stuff, and maybe he can bring us up to date. One thing about Indiana at one point when they didn't have a coach and we were losing – seven or eight players. It looked really bad now. They seem to be straightened out. They've added a player or two from the portal. They've gotten some players back, and uh, it looks like Woodson might be doing a pretty good job there.
1: In this morning's News Gazette, if you like to follow the transfer talk, Scott Ritchie has a story on some of the big men that uh, Illinois might be uh, focusing in on. You got to have your options open, that's for sure.
2: Illinois is really strong with Trey Mitchell. That's the one that they're tightest with right now, and the one they're most likely to get. Now it doesn't mean they're going to get him. He played for UMass. He's a big one, and uh, you know, I, I just I, I just wonder how all these um, big players that look. at don't know what you know as to whether uh, Kopi's coming back, and then all the rumors about EJ Liddell. I mean, it's not we're not making anything up. There's just a real thing that's happening here. EJ Liddell's. Parents and and he are looking at, at Illinois. Not a hundred percent sure. That, I mean, obviously not uh, certain what's going to how it's going to turn out. But he's considering transferring to Illinois. He's also considering going to the NBA. He's also considering going back to Ohio State. So he's got basically three options. And I don't know which one he's going to wind up with.
1: Well, he doesn't want to play center.
2: No, sir. And, and that's he's, why he's that's why he has questions about Ohio State. But Ohio State just. Landed a center in Brunt from Indiana who is not a particularly great center. I don't even know if he's good enough to start. I suppose he is. If you don't have anybody, naturally he would be. But uh, the main thing is that he wants to play power four because he feels that that's his position in the NBA when he gets there.
1: You could get pretty excited if you dream about uh, Liddell next to Kofi, couldn't you?
2: Well, you'd be a top, top 10 team for sure, maybe even higher.
1: A lot of things up in the air. We'll talk to Kevin Prince about some of those things coming up. If you have any comments, feel free to jump in. Two one seven, three five six nine three nine seven. Baseball action yesterday and last night. The Cubs break up the Cubs. They got the bats out finally. They're uh, beat Milwaukee again, fifteen to two. They've won four straight now and are ten and nine on the season.
2: These games go from one extreme to the other. It, it's it's crazy. The I mean, you, you look at. Um, at uh, Oakland, I think they lost either their first five or six, six. games, six were, games in a row. They were 0 And, and now, what have they won? How many, what have they won since? 11 at least. 11 I mean, or 12, I yeah. I didn't look to see what they did I, last I, night. I, I can't keep track of it, but my goodness, I mean, that, does, I mean, they were outscored, Steve, something like 50-13 to 13 in their first five games. It was ridiculous. They were just getting killed. And uh, it might have been 30-13. I don't remember the numbers, but it, <laughs> But it was a it was a lopsided number. And uh, we're seeing the same thing with the Cardinals. We're seeing the same, same thing with the Cubs, where so, some of these games get lopsided really early.
1: Well, a week ago at this time, we were talking about the Cubs being last in Major League Baseball, hitting mm-hmm. 166. That's right.
2: They're That's not right.
1: doing that anymore. They're no.
2: no, this has been a good week for them. Yeah,
1: they're only uh, just a, a game out of first place now after beating Milwaukee 15-2. to Cardinals won last night, had to survive a little ninth-inning rally by the Reds but the Cardinals beat Cincinnati 5 to 4 to improve their record to 9 and 10 on the season. The White Sox like the Cubs are 10 and 9 on the campaign. The White Sox beat uh, Texas last night 9 to 7. College baseball, Illinois had a nice comfortable lead over in mm-hmm. West Lafayette for much of the night. Illinois had uh, six runs on 11 hits. They left 11 guys on base in that game. Almost yep. Came back to haunt him. Yeah, as Purdue scored five in the bottom of the ninth, but Illinois wins it six to five.
2: Yeah, three home runs for Purdue in the ninth inning, <laughs> and you know this is a this is a Purdue team that just killed Illinois over here. I uh, I think the last score was twenty to six. It was. <laughs> they scored twenty runs, and then they got shut out for the first eight innings uh, yesterday. Shut out, no run. They went from twenty runs to none, and then in the last inning, they hit three home runs. You figure it out.
1: Illinois is 11-14 and on the season with that win. There was some uh, questions about when the game will be played today. It's scheduled for 1 o'clock, and the last word we have from Scott Beatty over in West Lafayette is it will be played at 1 o'clock. I guess the rain in that area is expected maybe later tonight. So they'll try to get that game in. They tossed around a few... uh, um, opportunities to either uh, play it later tonight or play a doubleheader tomorrow but right now they're going to keep it as scheduled at one o'clock softball at eichelberger field doubleheader yesterday a split illinois beat indiana seven to five indiana won the nightcap by a score of seven to two in softball men's tennis last regular season match of the uh, season before the Big Ten championships uh, get going at Indiana. Today at 3 o'clock, the Illini will be seeded number one in the West in the uh, Big Ten tournament coming up next week. They're 14-1. and one
2: They get a bye in that. I think they play the their winner of Indiana-Wisconsin.
1: Right. Women's golf is playing in the Big Ten championships over near Cincinnati in Mainsville, Ohio. After the first round, Michigan State is in the lead. The Illini team of coach uh, Renee Sloan is 10th after the first round women's basketball parkland's uh, women's team lost in the uh, final four in the uh, junior college championships to lakeland two teams what 50 miles apart they went all the way to north carolina to play in that uh, semifinal game so uh, Ally lindemann's ball club at parkland will play for third place in the national championships line i men's golf is playing over at the kepler invitational in columbus today and tomorrow that's one of the big tournaments before the Big Ten tournament comes along for the men. Earlier this week, you heard the news that uh, Mike Poeta was named to succeed uh, Jim Heffernan as the Illinois wrestling coach. Outstanding choice, I think.
2: Yeah, I think we need to get him on next week if we can, Steve.
1: He was on uh, with the guys earlier this week, and we'll try to do that. And uh, the, uh, So those are some of the headlines on uh, the day. Anything that's on your mind, let us know. We'll take our first break. We'll talk spring football which is wrapping up. They had the uh, spring game Monday night, and final practice coming up. I think today will be the final practice for the uh, Fighting Illini football team. Fifteen spring practices. We'll take a break and be back with Martin O'Donnell after this here on the IlliniPella Saturday Sports Talk. Nine seventeen, IlliniPella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, and we are at your service until 11 o'clock here, if you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. Martin O'Donnell is with us on the telephone. Good morning, uh, Martin. How you doing, my friend?
3: I'm great. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. We're just uh, wrapping up 15 spring football sessions for the uh, Illinois football team of Brett Bielma. You had a chance to see a little bit of the spring game Monday night. Uh, let's get some initial thoughts on what you saw from that game.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's always a little challenging to try to figure out how much you can glean from a, an intra-squad scrimmage like that. But I think, you know, what you're able to see is, you know, again, I, I think the offensive line is, is going to be pretty solid. They need that to be the real strength of the team. Um, I think you were able to see a little bit of kind of what they want the bread and butter to be both on offense and defense. And, um, you know, again, you have, you know, your first string, you know, wins by – 50 or something like that um, so that's somewhat to be expected but I know there are a lot of guys that were held out for a variety of reasons um, in particular on the defensive side of the ball but I, I thought they did a nice job you know making it entertaining um, it was great to have Illinois football and kind of a national spotlight there and, and I thought they took advantage of it so that's that's great to see.
1: Kind of an interesting situation you want the national spotlight you had it on Monday night on the Big Ten Network but With a new staff and a new coach, you don't want to show too much. So you want the attention, but you don't want to you don't want to open up the whole playbook.
3: Yeah, I don't want to open up the whole playbook. But you know, again, I I think you saw obviously they're going to try to you know utilize the tight ends more than we have here in the recent past Uh, in the passing game, which I think is good because that's one of the big question marks for this team is you know who's going to be kind of the leading receivers, who's going to be the leading targets, and I think you know with the offense, you know, utilizing Luke Ford and. You know, I think Daniel Barker is a really excellent player. Um, So I'm interested to see how they continue to use those guys. And then, again, you got Danny Navarro and and Brian Hightower out there. And, you know, I think you can try to see some things individually. And I haven't gone back and and really parsed it too closely. I I will do that at some point because you can still gain some stuff just by saying, hey, it's a run to the right. You know, let's see, you know, how does, uh, you know, how does, you know, Vidarian Lowe or how does, you know, Blake Jarosati do in kind of one-on-one block situations. So I think you can, you can glean some
1: stuff like that. You mentioned uh, the tight ends. I've known Lauren Tate since 1981. He mentions we need more tight end play every season since then. And the coaches
2: <laughs> always tell us we're going to get it. <laughs> That's <too>. right. <laughs> Go ahead, Lauren. Well, I, w- I wanted to ask you about Pelchevsky because this is a new system. Uh, how mm-hmm. difficult will it be for him to get up to speed in the short time next August when he is expected to return, of course, being out with injury this spring. How, how do you think he'll work in?
3: You know, I think he'll work in just fine. You know, I think Julian Pearl's done a really good job there at right tackle. He's a guy that's developed quite a bit. And I think what they'll have to try to figure out is, you know, does, does Pal Cheski come back and play, you know, does he play right tackle or do they kick him inside the guard? And I think a lot of that will have to do with kind of how they feel about everybody else. But, you know, Alex is a guy that's played a lot of football. He's played a lot of snaps. Um, mentally he, he's gonna he's gonna know this playbook inside and out by then if he doesn't already and then I think a lot of it is just you know understanding you know is his body work the way that he's used to it working um, or are there or some things there that he has to adjust but um, I don't see there being a very big learning curve for him and, and a lot of that just has to do with his experience and, and football IQ. Uh,
2: i I always wanted to ask you about the, the draft and and uh, it's coming up I believe Thursday isn't it yeah Th- uh, yeah and, and yeah. Do you see any Illinois players being drafted, and and that's the first question. Number two, you realize that they've only had like five guys drafted in the last five years. I mean, that's that's not that's something wrong there. You you got to get more players in. That's the best players are the ones that get drafted. So, do you see any change coming here? And how many of these guys in the offensive line do you see ultimately being drafted?
3: Well, I, I appreciate you breaking out a depressing stat on a Saturday morning, Lauren. That's, that's, that's great. Um, but, no, that, there's no question that Illinois needs to have more guys in the draft. And I absolutely think so. I mean, Kendrick Green is certainly going to get drafted. I, mm-hmm. I really view Kendrick a lot like the guy that I played with, John Asamoa. Um, you know, I think John was a third-round pick, you know, had a really good career in the NFL. I think Kendrick Green is going to be, you know, really, really good NFL player, tested really well. So, I mean, I think, you know, the mock drafts and things I've seen, I mean, he seems like a kind of, you know, round three, round four guy. You know, hopefully he can get higher than that. But, uh, um, you know, that'll be a big deal also for Illinois to have a guy like him who is an early entrant to the draft get drafted. Because that's another thing that they can they can plug. And I think Josh Ahmed or Bebe, you know, certainly has a chance uh, to get drafted as well. Um, you know, health wise, he didn't necessarily seem right, you know, at times last year, but, you know, certainly the explosiveness is there. He's another guy that, that tested really well. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think Kendrick's certainly going to get drafted. I, I hope Josh has the ability to get drafted as well. I think I've seen some mocks where they have him, you know, in the sixth or seventh round or something, but, you know, again, athleticism is, is really hard to teach. And, and he's a guy that especially back in 2019, you see what he can really do in terms of, you know, pulling away from you know a lot of really good you know defensive backfields in the big 10. So, there's no question Illinois has to do a better job um, of, you know, recruiting guys to their system, developing them while they're on campus, uh, and then ultimately getting guys into the NFL draft. Because that's a big component where, you know, high school kids, if that what they if that's what they aspire to do, um, and be, then they want to go to a program that has a history uh, of turning out NFL draft picks and. Um, you know, I think, you know, Illinois with, you know, the guys, you know, I think some of the guys who came back for their super senior years, I think some of those guys are going to have the opportunity to get drafted as well. Um, and then kind of we go on down the line. But I think that's certainly something Illinois needs to do better at. And, you know, it'll be nice to have a, a guy or two get drafted at least, uh, you know, here next week.
2: Does Lowe have those qualities at, at left tackle?
3: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think and I have no idea how he tests, but I think, you know, again, you know, size and a guy with a lot of experience and the ability to bend um, and move like he does. Absolutely. I think he needs to, you know, I think all these guys, you know, need to have a good year because, you know, the last year was just so strange with COVID and everything that I think sometimes it's really hard to tell kind of what was going on, but hopefully we have a you know, full uninterrupted season, knock on wood, um, this fall, and, and things are a little bit more back to normal. But, yeah, I, I think Vidarian Lowe is the, the kind of guy that, um, you know, that certainly you know will have the ability to, to, at a minimum, be in somebody's camp, but, you know, has a good year and then can get drafted.
1: We're visiting with Martin O'Donnell, our radio analyst. He works with Brian Barnhart on the Fighting Illini Sports Network, calling Illinois football. Hopefully things are back to normal in that regard as well. When we get around to the game starting August the 28th, what do you think about opening the season with a big 10 opponent right out of the gate in week zero?
3: I think it's great. I I think it's really good. I mean, there's, there's the two different ways to do it, right? Either you, you go and, and you can play a, a lower-level opponent, and say, "Hey, we're going to work on some things," or you know, you go out there and you play somebody that's going to have a talent level that's comparable, or in some cases, you know, greater than yours, and you really test it right out of the gate. And I think you learn a lot about yourself, you know, as a team. There, um, I think when I played, we wound up playing, you know, FBS-level opponents quite a bit. You know, played Missouri a couple times. Um, And that really, it tells you a lot about kind of where you are and and gives you some really good film to go and evaluate against. And so I think especially with a team like this, with as much experience as they have coming back, I like the idea of starting against a divisional opponent better than playing against an FCS opponent, just simply because, yes, you're going to be breaking in some new guys in some positions, but, you know, really with all the guys Illinois has coming back, it, it provides a nice opportunity to go out and really grab some momentum to start the season.
2: Martin, what do you see as the major differences between Lovey and Bielema?
3: You know, I I think from an outside perspective, just what I would say is I I think, you know, I'll, I'll frame it this way, Lauren. I think the thing I've been most impressed with about Brett Bielema and his staff is the intentionality and the planning which has gone into every single move that he's made. And it's not as simple as, okay, you know, we're going to have a finite amount of roles and here's how I want to allocate those roles. But it's really a credit to, I think, Josh Whitman in the athletic department and the university as well, really giving Brett Bielema and his staff the resources to go out and, you know, add new positions, you know, try to be ahead of certain things, you know, like the name, image, likeness stuff, you know, adding, you know, staff members and positions that weren't there before, you know, being, you know, I, I love the addition of, I think his name is Pat Ryan, you know, Coach Ryan, the guy from, from Metamore. I love the, the idea that he's added in, Um, you know, to kind of be in charge of Illinois high school, you know, relations and somebody who has established relationships with coaches around the state, that's clearly an area where, you know, we've identified we've got to get better. And so proactively going and addressing those things. And so I I just think it's, 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 it's execution of a vision on a scale that's just different. And and I'm, I'm excited to see kind of how it works out because you know, again, you look at all the different pieces, and there's some of these things where, you know, again as an outsider, you're like, well, I didn't know that that was really a need, but yeah, I guess it makes sense when you kind of think about it. So, um, there's 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 a lot there. I think, uh, you know, I, I think Brett Bielema is going to be, uh, he already is more outward facing. Um, I think it's important to him to be involved in the in the community and in the communities uh, in which you know Alani Nation lives. So I think I think we'll see more of that stuff as you know as the the pandemic uh, allows.
2: You know, I, I think one of the most impressive things, and we, we won't know until we see it, is, is is the coaching staff that he's put together. I mean, it's, and it's college people. And, and when Lovey came wow. in, he wanted Hardy Nickerson to run the defense. He had a number of wow. uh, pro coaches. And we, we've gone strictly the other way since uh, your, just your response to your reaction to that.
3: Yeah, I I, I think it's great. I think, you know, I've, I've had a chance to, uh, to meet the coaching staff uh, a few months ago when I was You know, I I was obviously, you know, aware of the resumes uh, of the guys just from kind of having seen them been hired. Um, But, you know, having a chance to meet them, I I think it's really great um, in order to um, have a group of of people like that um, who are all aspirational college head coaches. And I think, you know, Brett Bielema has been a guy that's that's helped develop a lot of coaches in ways. And so I I think you want to have guys as a part of your staff that are aspirational like that. Um, or have done that before. I think they have, what, three of the, three of the members of the defensive staff have been uh, defensive coordinators at the collegiate level. I, I think that's great. I think that gives a lot of different um, sets of, of tools that are a part of the toolbox um, when you're attacking college offenses, you know, which you know, the line continue, gets a little blurry between college and pro offenses, but you know, I think college is always going to be a little bit more aggressive in terms of more wide open um, for a variety of reasons. But I, I love the staff that he's put together. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, it, it's been fun to watch.
1: We've been talking football for several years now. Martin, i got a pretty good idea what your overall opinion as a player of spring football is. Kind of a necessary evil, I suppose, to, to go through. But how different is it for a player going through spring ball with a whole new coaching staff?
3: Yeah, it's very different. I mean, everything, you know, again, you're not only learning a new playbook on offense or defense, but, you know, again, a lot of it once, you know, I equate it all the time to, you know, you get a new boss at your job. And so you right. got to try to understand, okay, what, is, what does my boss want me to do? You know, what are the ways in which I need to get there? Because they're going to, you know, the, the end goal might be a little bit different in terms of how we accomplish something, but also the way we're going to get there is going to have to be a little bit different as well. And, you know, with football, a lot of that is everything from you know, the format of practice is different. Uh, what you're going to do in individual time, in terms of working on technique, is different. Um, ways to approach, um, you know, a play or a block or a catch uh, or a coverage is going to be different. So a lot of that is kind of a feeling out process. There's always a, a translation thing of saying, okay, this is how we did it, and you know, you know, here's what they're asking me to do. This is how I did it before. This is what they're asking me to do now. Okay, let me get some reps in this, or you know, you know even just terminology, and so. You know, spring football with a new uh, playbook is one thing with a new staff is also different because you're trying to build relationships on the fly. You know, coaches are trying to build relationships with the players and and vice versa. And, you know, again, I think, you know, the most impressive thing to me of Brett Bielma since he's been here is is his ability to get a lot of those super seniors, those guys with the extra year to come back when several of them had other options. Um, That to me was, you know, was a great recruiting job from day one. And, you know, hoping that pays dividends this fall.
1: Martin O'Donnell, everybody, appreciate your time as always. Always enjoy uh, talking football with you, and we'll do it again soon. Thank you.
3: Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
1: You too. Martin O'Donnell with us at 9.30 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a break and be back with more after this. Stay with us. Welcome back to the program, everybody. 9.32 is the time. We're heading towards 11 o'clock, kind of an overcast rain-expected Saturday here, 52 degrees right now in central Illinois, and as I look out the window, I don't see any precipitation at this time. Thanks to Martin O'Donnell for talking some Illinois football with us. Happy to welcome uh, back to the program our friend in the Quad Cities area, works for the Quad City Times and IlliniGuys.com, Kedrick Prince. Good morning, Ken. How you doing?
4: Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having
1: me. Been kind of a busy week, hadn't it, for you, <laughs> and for all of us that uh follow Illinois basketball recruiting and uh, coaching staff and things like that. Uh, certainly, n- there's no off-season, is there?
4: No, I'll tell you what, this has been a very, very busy week. I remember I was talking to a couple of recruits on the phone this week and, you know, just doing an interview with a couple of them for 30 minutes, and when the coaching staff news hit off, I got off my phone, I think I had 200 text messages, people just asking what's going on, and so been a really, really different week, I guess, for Illinois Athletics, but it doesn't surprise me.
1: So what is the latest as far as you know? What do you think is, is happening here?
4: Well, from last, what I heard last night, and it, this changes like every hour, which I'm sure you guys know, I was just told Illinois is in, in great shape. I think both coaches, Chan and Orlando, were very, very pleased with the effort that um, Josh Whitman put forth for them. And you have to tip your hat to Josh. You know, he is a athletic director who talked about winning championships at everything at 0 not just basketball, football, tennis, golf, you name it, volleyball, women's basketball. And he's proven that. I mean, he is really, you know, when I found out that he, you know, put an offer on the table to make Orlando Antigua the highest-paid assistant in college basketball, I can't – I don't blame him. I mean, he is – if you go back and look at the history, and this is, I'm going to include Bill Steph with this. What Orlando has done is kind of what Jimmy Collins has done for Illinois. He has resurrected that program. And I'm going to tell you, they're in no on guys right now. You know, if this deal gets done, people are going to be surprised. I mean, there's a kid that I interviewed, I just talked to yesterday. His name is Matty Trori. He's a 6'11 kid, you know, out of Maryland. And his offers, are, he, he's going to narrow down between Illinois and Kansas. This would have happened before, and I'm gonna tell you right now, Illinois leads. And this is a 2022 kid. He's a 6'11" kid, and this kid's being recruited by Orlando. So, getting a guy like him and Chan, and keeping this staff intact is extremely important. It really is. So, I just heard to answer your question that you know things are going well for Illinois. From you know all the sources that I've been told that I think they're impressed with the effort. And the fact that Illinois is trying to show them how important basketball is to not just to them, but you know, to the rest of the country. So, you know, if that holds true, maybe this will be over with when they get back from vacation.
2: Well, do you see uh, Kentucky making a counter offer?
4: Well, you know, I've been asked that, Lord, you know, so many times. But here's my comment to that: That's fine to make a counter offer, but Josh Whitman said he's going to make him the highest paid player, or highest paid assistant coach. So, if they make a counter offer. Josh up the offer as from what <laughs> I've been told. They want they want to keep him. They know how important he is. And I mean, and let's be honest, they can't go backwards. They just can't because you lose guys like that. There's not a lot of guys out there. You know, I was talking to Steve earlier in the week. If you Google the top assistants coaches in college basketball last year, two years ago, eight years ago, Orlando name comes up all the time. He's that good of a coach. And he develops players. It's not about his recruiting. I mean, look at what he's done with Kofi in two years. I mean, the guy came in as just a guy that could just dunk the basketball. Look how polished he's become in just two years, you know, being down there. He's a good guy, and no one's lucky to get him to begin with.
1: Talking to Kendrick Prince, in your conversations with players, guys that are in the next year's recruiting class, guys that maybe have uh, verbaled, down the road, what is their first question when you when you get into the topic of, of those two assistant coaches? Uh, how are they feeling? Obviously, they're waiting to see what happens, but how committed do you think guys like Luke Goody and R.J. Melendez and Brandon Pajimski are?
4: Talk to every single one of them. It's a great question. Um, I can tell you right now, Luke Goody's not going anywhere. I mean, his dad, they made the comment, and they don't hide it. They committed to the university. They know that coaches change jobs, and his dad made the comment to me: any adversity that his son faces, they're going to fight it head on. They're not going to run away because a lot of kids do that. Um, They like what the university has to offer, not just from a a sports standpoint but academically. R.J. Melendez is really, really bought into the school as well. Uh, He having Andre Cabello and having these kids out there reach out to these kids is huge. Now, Brandon Projenski is a guy that I was – at one time I was concerned about because they fell in love with Chin. You know, and a lot of people are going to give Orlando credit for this one, but this is a Chin recruit. And they knew going into this. They knew going into it that uh, coaches may leave, but Chin promised him that he would be there and that he would not recruit him and then bail on him. Uh, So I think these guys are bought in. And to be honest with you, I talked to Brandon's dad for an hour this week, and we had we talked about everything. And one of the things he mentioned to me was uh, he committed to Illinois because of the Chin Coleman, because of the style of play, but also he knew Brad Underwood was honest with him. Brad Underwood promised him a coach, I mean, a, a starting position. He said to him, you're going to work for it. You'll be a backup, and if somebody leaves, you'll have a chance to start. And he also made the comment to me that, he knew that Coach Cal may be on the hot seat, and that was another concern for them. Because, let's face it, Cal, Kentucky's a blue blood school. They didn't win last year, and they weren't great the year before. So Cal has to win this year. So that was another factor. These kids are bought in, and I don't think you, they'll lose any one of these recruits to that um, if they if they lost the coach.
1: Let's uh, take a phone call for uh, Kendrick Prince. Chuck is with us. Go ahead, Chuck.
4: Hey, good morning, guys. How you doing?
1: Good, go ahead. Yes, uh,
4: Ked, do you think if Antigua left, Padilla would follow him? I know they're from the same country and stuff. I just didn't know if Padilla, is it Padilla or Padilla? Padilla. Okay, I didn't know if you would follow Antigua to Kentucky. Thank you so much, Ted. I appreciate you.
1: Thanks for the call, Chuck. he, uh, of course, yeah, is great. is a walk-on to this basketball team. Uh, but go ahead, Kendrick.
4: No, I, I, I don't think so. And a lot of people were even asking that of Cabello. I don't think either one of those guys would leave. Uh, as a matter of fact, I should have said this earlier, uh, Brendan Przivsky, he told his dad told me that when he was looking at all these schools, the one thing that sold him on Illinois was every kid, on that staff, on on the team, this past, current team, other than Isle and Kofi reached out to them. Every kid, even the other potential recruits, uh, RJ reached out to him and so did Luke Goody. And the guy who did it the most was Andre Cabello. And so th- those guys were not going anywhere. They bought into the system. They know what's at stake here. They know they have a chance to continue this legacy. And, you know, people, whether it Kofi comes back or not, that's a different topic for a different day. But this is probably going to be Audrey Cabello's team, and everybody knows that. So I don't see Padilla leaving. I don't see Cabello leaving. Uh, They like the situation that they're in. So hopefully that answers your question. But I don't think those guys are going to leave. I really don't. Because they've helped recruit some of these kids. You know, uh, when, you know, John Pujemski was telling me that when his son, you know, when they told Wake Forest that they weren't going to come to school there, they asked what was the difference between Wake Forest and Illinois easily the kids on this current team. They made their son feel welcome. So, you know, when you hear coaches talk about a family atmosphere, I'm assuming this is what Brad Underwood was speaking of.
2: Uh, what's Adam Miller
4: going to do? Well, I thought, well, it was a, last week or two weeks ago, you guys had Coach Underwood on. I listened to the show, and I thought there was a slim chance that Adam was going to come back. There really was. But I think that door's not closed. I, I really do. Um, I My understanding, the last school I heard, was LSU. I know that he had reached out to Gonzaga and I know there was some Indiana interest, but I think the last school I heard of was LSU and you know that's a really unfortunate situation because the kids started every game. I don't know what more he could have asked for, but you I'm sure you both know there's a lot of things that went into play with that. But like Nando was said, he's in the transfer portal. You gotta move on and you gotta continue to recruit because you don't if he's in the portal He's planning on leaving or looking for uh, playing time elsewhere. So that's the last rule I heard. Um, And I'm expecting hopefully at some point in time, you know, there's going to be a decision for DeMonte coming back. So um, if that's, you know, his route he's going to take. But uh, at least a decision is going to be coming soon.
2: Uh, Do you see uh, Plummer basically taking Adams' role?
4: You know what, it's really weird you ask that because when he – first committed when i i talked to him that day he was coming in to be a backup he really and truly was he knew that coming in um but now the fact that adam's gone i can easily see how you can put him in there that kid is a scoring guard i mean not just his highlight videos if you watch a full game video he knows how to shoot it he shoots in multiple different ways and like coach underwood said in their eyes he is or was the best shooter in the transfer portal this year so he and, and he's not one-dimensional. And the thing that I think that her Adam Miller was Adam was just a guy that stood on the wing. He could do more things, but he, but that's what he did. So I think by having a guy like Plummer in you know in, in the rotation, if they take that route, because um, I've also heard that Brandon may have a legitimate chance of starting at that position as well, because um, that kid can score. He can shoot, and he's just not one dimensional. So, but Plummer is a guy that's proven. And he's a, he's a winner, and he wants to be out there, and he can give them like something that they haven't had. You know, they need a bunch of guys that can shoot it. Uh, Io, you know, he improved his three-point shooting. He was a lot better. Demonte obviously was a lot better, and, and, and Jacob Grandison was better. But Brad wants a bunch of guys with a lot of kids on his roster that can score, and that's why they went out to Plummer. You can't draw plays up for guys and one out of five times they make a shot, or one out of six times. That's not what he's about. And if you look at those kids that he's recruited, they can all shoot it.
1: We'll let you go with this. Even though you said this topic is another topic for another day, I'm going to make it a topic on this day on Kofi. <laughs> what, what are you feeling about Kofi right now?
4: If Orlando comes back, I really think he's going to come back. I really and truly do. Um, I would be very surprised because I think – you know, everybody's talked about him wanting to go out and to make money, and he's been told if he comes back for another year, one more year or nine months or whatever it's going to be, he'll have a chance to take care of his family. Um, they know, and the people at his camp, they saw the development that um, Orlando and the university has done for him. And if you think about it, he was, a, he was everybody's second-team All-American. If he came back to college basketball. He could potentially be player of the year he'd be big 10 player of the year all the things that luca garza garnished this year he could do the same thing and uh, you know we we all know that kofi's a better athlete so i was told that there's a really good chance he'll come back that's why he hasn't signed an agent um well i'm uh, the ncaa certified agent he has but there's a chance that he could come back and that changes the whole dynamic of the team i mean really truly doesn't you know, having said that, Omar Payne is a guy that transferred from Florida. They talked and they expect him to come back as well. So, not saying that it won't, it's a done deal, but there's a good chance that he could come back and Illinois would be a top 10 team with him if he came back again.
2: One more question from me since Steve has said this was the last one. EJ Liddell.
4: I knew it was coming, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Well, here's the deal. You're right. I heard you on the show before, and I have to be professional and correct about this because he's not not in the transfer portal, but yes, there's some serious, serious conversation about E.J. Liddell and his uh, love for the University of Illinois. I was told that he and Audrey Cabello hit it off, and they talk sometimes just as friends, but, and you're right, his dad did not want him going in to play the five, and it, hurt his, it didn't hurt his game because he was great and he performed, but can you imagine if he played before along with a really, really good five man, and that's what his parents thought he was going to get at Ohio State to begin with. So I, I really understand that, and I, I don't blame them, but there is some talk, and people who think that there's not interest there, they're kidding themselves. I'm going to tell you another kid who's committed to UNLV. Um, he's another four-star kid who you know, can be eligible. As soon as they, they Finalize this deal with Orlando. I mean, they're going to have a chance to get another kid. Um, his name is Arthur Kaluma out of uh, UNLV. I mean, he's committed, but I'm going to tell you, he's in love with Illinois. They know there's a spot for a four-man. And whether it be Eli Jardell, E.J. Liddell, Trey Mitchell, Arthur Kaluma, somebody's going to get a chance to come in there and play that four position. Um, so, But on paper, E.J. would be the ideal situation. And that'd be good for him and his family as well but there are some serious talks about that.
1: Great stuff, Kedrick. We always appreciate your time, and uh, we'll chat with you soon. Keep up the good work.
4: Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. Enjoy your weekend.
1: You too. Kedrick Prince, recruiting analyst for com. Also uh, writes for the Quad Cities, Quad City Times in the Quad City area.
2: A lot of options out there, Steve. Boy, I mean, they're just, I mean, this team could be really good or it could fall apart. It could fall apart because if you lose your coaches and, and maybe the players, certain players won't come if the coaches aren't here.
1: We'll take a break at 947 and be back with more after this on I Pella Saturday Sports Talk. This is Saturday Sports Talk on DWS in Champaign-Urbana. Brought to you by the fine folks at the Pella window store, Line I Pella. It is 9.50 with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Glad you're with us. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Just got done talking Illinois basketball recruiting and other topics there with Kedrick Prince from the Quad City Times. Going to talk about a newcomer for Illinois basketball from uh, the University of Utah. His name, as you know, is Alfonso Plummer. And Bill Riley joins us now. Bill is the play-by-play man for the Runnin' Utes out in Salt Lake City. Good morning, Bill. Welcome to the show. How are you?
5: Hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm great.
1: Good. We wanted to get a firsthand report on the player that Illinois is expected to get and has made his desire to transfer to the University of Illinois, Alfonso Plummer, and certainly some impressive stats as a shooter. Tell us more.
5: Yeah, he's that that's what he does, guys. I mean, he is a he's a shooter. Came to Utah about a year and a half, 2 years ago from uh Arizona Western Junior College where he was a pretty pro- prolific shooter. Uh didn't play very much early on at Utah. One because he, he, you know, JUCO guys sometimes have a little bit of a hard time adjusting to the D1 game. And frankly, defense was not in his vocabulary. I don't know if it was in his English or in his Spanish vocabulary, <laughs> but it wasn't there. <laughs> and so uh, until he learned to play on both ends of the floor, he wasn't getting much playing time. And about midway through uh, the year, goodness, I guess, where where were we at? A year ago before COVID hit, about midway through the Pac-12 season, something clicked. And maybe it had a heart-to-heart talk with uh, then-coach Larry Kristoviak, but his minutes started to grow. His shots started to fall, and he got more playing time. And from there, it it just kind of took off. You could kind of see his confidence grow. And he is a prolific three-point shooter. That is what he does and does very well. Still not a great defender by any means, but he was passable enough where you could put him out there on the floor uh, because his shooting acumen was just that good.
1: I've uh, read a little bit about him and I've seen some video of him. Does he is he more than just a three-point shooter? Does he uh, does he have the means to get his shot otherwise?
5: Uh well he he can put it here he, he, here here's what what I'll say. Because he's such a good three-point shooter, defenses will close out very hard on him and that will allow him to kind of give the ball fake and then go. He's generally not a guy that will, you know, just put the ball on the floor and drive to the basket. That's really not his game. He's a, he's a guy that can get it off the bounce or off the uh, off a catch and you know, kind of a catch and shoot. But he's more of a jump shooter than anything else. But because he's so good at that, uh, it does allow him from time to time when defenses will close out and run at him to kind of go around and, and get himself a layup. But he'll always look to shoot the three in the jump shot first.
2: Bill, this is Lauren Tate. Uh, he had a really good year this year for the youths. Why did he transfer? Why would he want to leave?
5: Well, there's a new coaching staff. Okay. I mean, he, he you know, the, the, the coaches that recruited him are no longer here. So there's some of that. He's, he's, he's a kid from Puerto Rico. I, I think he had dreams initially of going pro. He talked about putting his name in for the NBA draft. To be very fair, guys, he's, I don't think he's an NBA player, even with a good year at Illinois coming up. I think he's a pro somewhere. I think he can play pro basketball. I'm not sure that it's in the NBA. So I think after a couple of weeks when he saw that, the fact that the coaches weren't back again, you know, I I think, and, and, you know, when new coaching staffs come in, I think you, you you expect, you know, a little bit of a reset. So I think he probably wanted to look to go somewhere where maybe he could have some really good success in his final year of college basketball. And, and, you know, obviously what Brad Underwood's done at Illinois, they've, they're they're uh, a little bit probably a little bit higher profile right now at least than Utah is so I think he was looking to go someplace where you know he could get some playing time get a little bit uh, get a little bit of attention and uh, you know, kind of start anew.
2: Well, I I think uh, you know he, uh, he I think as I heard that they expect him to come off the bench early. And be a, an immediate offense. I think that's what the thinking is because they've already got Fraser coming back and they got Corbello at guard. I don't know if if Underwood will want to play three what I call small guards defensively from a defensive standpoint. I would. So does that make sense to you? That I mean, he did that a lot for uh, for the youths too, didn't he? Come off the bench. Yeah,
5: he he really did. And to me, that's his best role because, as I said, he's not he's not a plus defender. But you, you guys are probably—I don't know—I shouldn't—I shouldn't guess this—but if you're old enough to remember the old Pistons teams with Vinnie the Microwave Johnson back in the day, that—that's really what Plummer does. Uh, when he came off he came off the bench a lot a year ago. This year, he—he he was mostly a starter, but when he came off the bench. He, you know, there's some guys that take a few minutes to get ready. <laughs> not not him. He, he shows up at the arena ready to shoot, and he came off the bench ready to go. And to me, that's kind of the best role for him, and that could be a really good role for Illinois, especially if they've got those two guards coming back again. You know, to bring him off the bench, uh, he's a really good volume shooter. When he gets hot, he can get you, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten points really quick. So to me... And, and I watched Illinois play quite a bit this year. I I, I think that'd be a great role for him, uh, for Brad Underwood.
2: Well, this did, is a good landing spot for Puerto Rican uh, players with Puerto Rican background. We know that for sure.
1: Did uh, he had a game with eleven threes? Didn't he? Was that this year, this past year, or the previous year?
5: No, it was uh, it was in the, <laughs> ironically enough, the the day that everything shut down in the sports world, oh, okay. March eleventh, two thousand and twenty, uh, the final game of the Pac twelve tournament for Utah. He had uh, 11 threes and 38 points against uh, Oregon State. Set a new school record, set a Pac-12 record, set a tournament record for threes in a game with 11. Uh, That's what I'm saying. And he didn't start that game. (laughs) He came off the bench and came off the bench firing. So, yeah, he's he's a really good shooter and a really good scorer. Now, like a lot of shooters, uh, he'll have heat check moments, too. But his range is 25, 26 feet, too. He, you'll see him pull up, and sometimes you go, no, 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 yes. Exactly. But sometimes it'll be no, 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 no as well. But uh, he's got good range on that jump shot.
2: Well, Bill, I'm going to ask you another question about the Pac-12. What, uh, what happened uh, late this season when they got in the tournament? Those teams looked like they should have been all ranked higher. Uh, was this just something that evolved as the season went along?
5: Well, you know, I always say, whether it's football or basketball, the Pac-12, nobody cannibalizes themselves better than the Pac-12 does. In football, the nine-game conference season oftentimes gets them. And in basketball, you know, I, I think th- this year was an odd year, as you guys know, just dealing with COVID and missing games and getting rhythm. By the end of the season, the league was pretty COVID-free. You know, they I think they had kind of gotten a lot of that out of the way in December and January. And there were some good teams in the league. You know, Oregon was a good basketball team, and they found their stride late. UCLA was a really good basketball team with Mick Cronin, and they were missing players. They found their stride late. I think it was a matter of kind of putting all the BS behind them from early in the season with all the off-the-court off the, off the court stuff with COVID and travel and isolation. And it, it's a good league, and it's been a good league for a while. The year before, had it not been for... Uh, for the stoppage of everything, the Pac-12 probably would have had five teams in the in the tournament, maybe six. So the last couple of years they've rounded back into form. They've put that number of guys in the league, but they didn't have a lot of NBA draft guys this past year, so a lot of the talent came back. So once they got all the, the COVID stuff behind them, you saw some teams really begin to hit their stride and, and, and go, and I, I think you're going to kind of see that moving forward. I think the league has got good coaches, they're they're retaining their talent, and I, I think we're in kind of a good cycle right now for Pac-12 basketball.
2: Well, do you see a lot of uh, what I call super seniors coming back in that league? Guys that would I normally do. have graduated.
5: Yeah, I do. I you know UCLA is going to have a couple of those guys, and they were a final four team, you know a final four caliber team. So I think uh, I think the Pac-12 is going to have a number of those guys. Like I said, I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys jump to the NBA this year because the, the, most of the guys that were NBA, maybe potential, or a lot of them at least, were kind of those second-round borderline guys, that, that area where there's no guarantee. So I think a lot of these guys are saying, well, maybe we come back for another year, hone our skills a little bit. We've got that year to go and see if we can improve our draft stock a little bit.
1: Another minute or so with Bill Riley, who covers Utah athletics. How long have you been on the beat there?
5: Uh, I've been the play-by-play voice for 12 going on 13 years. I've been in the market for 20.
1: So is Utah a football, basketball school or otherwise?
5: Well, when I got here, they were a basketball school. Rick Mm -hmm. Majerus had things rolling here, and then things slipped a little bit. And the guy, you guys may have heard of this guy. I'm not sure. Urban Meyer,
6: you heard of that guy? (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
5: Um, He showed up and all of a sudden made Utah football pretty cool. Um, and we've got the longest tenure coach behind, a guy named Kirk Ferentz, uh, in college football. And, uh, yeah, this is a football school now. And Utah is probably going to be one of the one or two favorites to win the Pac-12 this year. So maybe we'll see the Illini in the Rose Bowl, huh?
1: <laughs> never know. Never say never. We'd take that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill. who so would we. Yeah. Appreciate your time this morning. I know you got a busy day going, but thanks for spending a few minutes with us.
5: <laughs> Anytime, guys. Enjoy. Thank- you thanks, bet. Bill.
1: Bill Riley, the voice of the Utah Utes out in Salt Lake City at 10 o'clock, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. That takes care of hour number one of the show. Back with hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this.
0: It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397. Or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly.
1: Welcome back to the program, hour number two. We're here until 11 o'clock, as Gene Honda said there. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Busy uh, first hour with uh, some good guests on there, Martin O'Donnell, Kendrick Prince, and Bill Riley from Utah, we talked all kinds of things, Illinois football, basketball, and such. And we're going to talk some more Fighting Illini news with Howard Milton. He is the Senior Associate Athletic Director at the U of I for Development and the I-Fund. Good morning, Howard. How are you?
7: Hey, good morning, guys. How you guys doing?
1: We're hanging in there, as we all try to do over the all the time, of course. But certainly the last year has been kind of different. But I'm sure it's been that way for you as well.
7: It has been, but I'll tell you what, this is the best week, uh, one of the best weeks in that last year because if you were there Monday night, we got an opportunity to see what, about 7,500 fans at Memorial Stadium and as a guy that's a self-proclaimed people person, I guess, and needs human contact and got in this business uh, for that and to, and to see folks in the stadium, that was the first step for us kind of to to get this thing back to normal and it just felt good it felt good
1: it did feel good to see people in there and hopefully we're headed towards uh bigger crowds in the fall you you don't have any feeling about that yet do you what do you what do you think is going to happen if you had to predict
7: you know what if i had to predict i'd say we're going to have some measure of fans in the in the stadium If, if i had to predict i'd think that we keep uh trending the right way according to the governor's office which gets us to the to the bridge and you know I, I don't read that stuff every day but i do know that I, you know we're, we're hoping to have you know get to that bridge point you're at 60 of of our capacity which isn't uh guys too far off from where we you know we've been and and so uh that's a great segue into me telling everyone to get out and get their season tickets um purchase single game tickets but we want to see people back uh at the stadium and i know there's a level of uncertainty However, you know, we do have the refund policy still in place. So I would just plug to get out and get season tickets. We're excited about what coaches are going to have this fall.
1: Well, we're kind of coming, uh, hopefully coming out of this pandemic. We're certainly not out yet. But the last 12 months, from uh, the outside looking in, it looks like that hasn't affected fundraising very much. And it looks like there's some projects going on that are doing quite well.
7: Right, right. Well, you know, it, it, we've we've been we've got a staff that's been really busy, uh, an entire department really, our development staff. We've really stayed active. I can tell you that last March I had not heard of Zoom. Maybe it was an advertisement, <laughs> a banner a banner uh, billboard or a banner advertisement on a website that I ignored. But, boy, I've, I've, uh, I have I've I know a lot about it now. I never thought, uh, Lauren, I never thought I'd ask for money over a computer screen. I've done that.
6: <laughs> I've done
7: that. I to get good at it. It's funny I turned 50 this year the younger folks on my staff have not missed a beat on this deal and using their phones even for FaceTimes and I'm really Josh to tell you' I'm, I'm struggling with it I think you need to sit down in front of people and see them but we found that you can be successful uh, in that but uh, we've, we' but we've, it's cost us too you know uh, I don't I don't know that we were able to get out and see in terms of the major gift fundraising the, the people that we wanted to really see but on the other hand, it is nice to be able to have a Zoom meeting, and it takes us a long time when we go to New York and California and all around the country to get people lined up. But if you get the right schedule, you can get 20 people on a call that would take you two years to ever get on their schedule. So we've had some success that way.
2: Well, I see the fence up uh, around Ubbin. <laughs> when do you yeah. break ground there?
7: We'll be breaking ground later this spring, uh, Lauren. <laughs> I think you can bet at mid-May, uh, to the end of May, it's an important okay. project. Uh, it comes, you know, great time too with the success of the basketball program, and and we've had no shortage of donors really excited about that project. Um, you know, Illinois and their and Illinois fans and their basketball. I mean, it can get pretty berserk, and we just feel really blessed that we've got such great fans and donors willing to support. No, Brad, and, and is that a
2: is that a forty million dollar operation? Is that what that is?
7: Correct, roughly, yeah. And you've
2: got about half of it already. I mean. Uh,
8: yeah, about we're 20. over half. One over
7: half. half. We yeah, we haven't announced all the gifts. Uh, we do have gifts, and we don't always announce those right away. And we've got a lot in the works. Um, I suspect that probably my goal is by you know to have uh, you know closer to thirty million dollars of that by the end of our fiscal, which is July, July one. So we feel really good about where we're at, and that's before grounds even broken. You know.
2: Yeah. Now, is is, is all that money actual gifted, or is that just promised?
7: Yeah. So the way it works, Warren, is um, there's a combination of that. You have a lot of folks, believe it or not, that'll stroke you a uh, pretty healthy check uh, from the get-go. And then there are pledges that line up with our debt payments, right? So Mm -hmm. there are pledges uh, that line up so folks will make annual contributions to pay down those pledges. Uh, We like to keep those between five and seven years. Um, But uh, we love the folks that just uh, pay those all up front. But of course, you know uh, the way money's earning interest; it pays for them to keep their money and invest it and give back to us too. So uh, you see, any combination of things really. Well, it's been a good,
2: uh, been a good year or two on the stock market. I suppose people have XX funds right now. <laughs> We're just—I don't know about you, but I'm—I'm I'm waiting to see <laughs> Ed Bonds getting so rich he doesn't know what to do. He's—he's going to have to take more trips to Minnesota and Florida, I guess, because he's got so and much it- money.
7: Hey, Lauren, you know Josh pays me to be a good listener, so you tell
6: Ed that means him and I
2: got to do lunch this week. That's right. That's exactly You should see Ed because he's he's loaded. But uh, let's see now. We got soccer and track. That's all completed. You got baseball and softball underway. I mean, this this is a building operation, isn't it?
7: Yeah. You know what? I tell Josh it's job security as long as we can get it, you know. It's job security whenever he has a project. But it's, these things were much needed. Um, our facilities pro- program and – you know, as we travel around, we had some real needs. We had needs at, um, we had needs in, in all those areas. Certainly, football was first and foremost. If you've been through the old facility, now the new facility. Um, but when you see, you know, when you when you look at when you look at um, baseball, softball, all those things, you know, we just we had the need, and so uh, we went to work. Josh got a great
1: vision for it. Visiting with Howard Milton, it's always been interesting to me that how quickly. Uh, facility-wise, you could go from state-of-the-art to needing an upgrade. Uh, I look at Ubbin, state-of-the-art back in 1999. I look at the uh, the football original weight room. That was state-of-the-art at uh, the time, and uh, how quickly that changes, huh?
7: It is. You know, some would call that the arms race. I think, what we, you know, we're really... We've had donors talk about that. We've had donors talk to us about the fact that, you know, that concerns them. Uh, you know, they want to be good stewards of their money and to make sure that we're doing things that are, that are, you know, functional and operational and make sense. You know, we don't need eye retina scans to get into our, to our, to our locker rooms, you know, and, and, and that, you know, so
6: um,
7: it is, it's something in the the facilities, uh, the building programs around the country become really competitive and there's always a need, but uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of managing, um, managing those expectations from our coaches and, and how to how to do those things.
2: Okay, Howard, let's talk about baseball. Illinois baseball and Connor Milton is on the ball club this year. as a freshman. How's he doing? And did you get scared in the ninth inning yesterday?
7: Got real scared in the ninth inning. Uh, got you know. I'm, thanks for mentioning that one. You're talking to a dad now. I've Got to take off my hat. Yeah. Uh, real excited. Thanks for asking. It's it's neat. You know, we've got a picture of him when he was two years old sitting. On the steps there at the stadium, throwing a tantrum, he wanted to pop or something uh, that we look at, and I think he throws a tantrum now because he's a freshman and and we don't get very many. We, I see him spit a lot of sunflower seeds out the dugout. Let's just <laughs> put it that way. But we're we're proud and uh, we love Dan Hartlove and the program and we're able to do. And yes, yeah, scared as heck uh, yesterday again. We're struggling out of the bullpen when uh, a lot of balls were hit out of the park. So uh, Daniel, get this straight.
2: Are you going over there today?
7: I'm going to try to get over there, yes. I'm going to try to get over there. I drove – I love uh, Purdue. I get my hour back when I come back Cross straight lines, you know, and yeah. get over so as a father, we try not to miss to miss much. We just enjoy it. And in the guys, the older guys, are so great. Dan's done a great job building the program. You know, Lauren, you may agree with this. I was with Ron Dunther out on the road when I first started, and we were actually on our way to see a guy about baseball in the clubhouse in the field back in the early 2000s. And he said, you know, our Champaign is a baseball town, and I've always thought that. And if you go out to youth fields, you go to softball fields, you go to uh, high school baseball games, I believe that. I believe there's a great passion uh, for baseball in uh, Champaign. It's just too doggone bad that we play this up here in the the Midwest where it gets so cold so early, say so cold so long, rather.
1: Visiting with Howard Milton, we have a caller that would like to ask a question. Art in Monticello. Go ahead, Art.
8: Hi, Howard. I always had a question about my scholarship fund donation. I've been a football season ticket holder, have four season tickets for years, and oh, up until about fifteen years ago, you could buy a second parking pass with your regular donation, and uh, and that would fine. But now, to get the second parking pass, because I split my season tickets two and two, you have to have a second uh, scholarship fund membership and that i put a hundred dollars in, get the second parking pass and that's fine but you guys waste you send me more than a hundred dollars worth of materials every year (laughs) (laughs) every year it costs you more than that hundred dollars i don't know why we can't go back to why you don't go back to the other system where you could just check and buy a second parking pass for a hundred dollars when you either renew or when you renew your season tickets i think it would save you money
6: yeah
7: yeah, yeah, well, I appreciate the comments. I'll, I'll look into that, um, Art. I will definitely look into that. I know, you know, I, I think we've done a good job of cutting back on really what we're sending, and now you get a lot of that that's electronic. And so I've gotten on the other end, I get a lot of people that tell me, quit sending them electronic emails and, and the like and text. But uh, we'll take a look at that. You know, we just it was that's our way to pay for these scholarships on that second uh, on that second donation for the for the parking pass which we see as an asset um and a lot of folks have been kind enough like yourself to do it but uh I also want to thank you Art for your years of season ticket purchase and um contributions it means a lot.
2: Thanks sir. Hey Howard this is Lauren again. Uh, tell me uh how much uh money does it cost for the scholarships you know the the yeah. uh, all, yeah. all the way across the board all sports and how yeah. much money are you getting for that? You know, in that fund.
7: Yeah, yeah. Warren, I don't have the financials right in front of me, but I'll tell you roughly. Um, we, our institutional pay between thirteen to fifteen million dollars, in out of state, uh, in state, and then there's a something most folks don't realize. There's an international freight, if you will, for for a for student athlete. Yeah. The, uh, we'll pay that money to the registrar's office, write them a check. Folks think that the campus cuts us a break on that. They have not to date. I, you know, I know Josh is always working on that. Um, what we raise, and this is the biggest need, and I love the question, our biggest need is uh, scholarships. So we're raising half of that. So there's a, there's a delta there, right, uh, but we need $14 million for scholarships, and we raise about seven. Uh, the most we've ever raised is about eight and a half, nine, for those scholarships so that our we do a really good job at major gift fundraising, a really good job principal gift fundraising, but that that scholarship uh, Delta really is uh, has become an issue for us.
2: Now, is it true that they cut your pay in half in order to pay Orlando? (laughs) 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 You know what? That would do it. See, we just had half your pay. We could pay Orlando and Chin, and we wouldn't have to worry about Kentucky.
8: Oh, Lord. You know, Lauren, in 1998,
7: I was at the University of Kansas, and I'd been working basketball camps and everything, and I went in, the guys there, Matt Doherty at the time, Neil Doherty, some other assistants, and uh, said, hey, you know what, you're graduating, go in and see how Coach Williams can help you out in this business, and I went and sat right in front of him. I sit down, and he looked at me, and he goes, you want to get into coaching? And he nodded his head in a positive manner, yes, and I said, No. And why didn't I put my head in a positive manner and say yes? I <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I hope that that's not, I hope that's not the case. That they're cutting us in half. But uh, I definitely uh, think the world of Coach O and Chen and Coach Underwood. I mean, how about this year? I, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, Lauren, you've been alive a little longer than me. But I did turn 50 this year and it made me reflect. This was the toughest year of my life. I don't mind telling you that. It's personal things and then just the isolation and and all those things. And this basketball yeah. team, they did. I and mean, after the political year, right, let's be honest, and the social justice, all the stuff, that was something that brought us all together and laid us cheer and laugh. I know and, and groups weren't supposed to gather, but damn it, people probably got together in their homes with their families, and I just can't remember a year like that that I needed that more, and I just can't thank Brad and that crew enough.
1: Howard, uh, we appreciate your time. As always, good to catch up with you, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks.
7: Thank you, guys. Have a good I trip. Fund members, thanks so much. Go to com. get your tickets, and if you're an iPhone member, let's renew those iPhone
1: memberships. We'll see you this fall. One, yeah. uh, one question we had just came in on a text, and probably this uh, we should probably ask Jason Hegemeyer this, but is regarding basketball season tickets. Any word on when uh, those might become available?
7: You know what? It'd be great to get Jason on. He's going to know a, a, a lot of those. I do not know when those uh, will come available. I know that uh, we're getting a lot of calls about premium seating and folks that might want to purchase premium seating, and they've already started. So I'd go to our website and take a look at uh, – uh, we've got some great deals. We've changed our price structure in terms of some club seats and that. Um, and I imagine what you'll be hearing more about season basketball tickets pr- fairly soon.
2: Tell them to throw strikes today. That's all. Throw strikes.
7: I've been saying that in the stands for, for, the, for the whole season, Lauren. You know how that goes.
1: <laughs> Howard, again, thank you very much.
7: Appreciate you guys. Thanks for all you do for us, and have a great day. You too.
1: Howard Milton with us from uh, the University of Illinois. He's the Senior Associate Athletic Director in charge of fundraising and development for the iFund. 10-19 is the time. And on i Saturday Sports Talk, we're back with more after this. Welcome back to the show here on DWS. I like fellow Saturday sports talk with Lawrence Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line is open. 217-356-9397. Let's go to the phones and say good morning to Rick calling from Charleston. Good morning, Rick.
9: Yes. Good morning, guys. Great show. A couple questions. Uh, one versus, of course, our assistant coach we're talking about. Uh, as you look through the lineup over the last two years and what's projected out. uh, It appears like Orlando's probably been responsible directly or indirectly for 40 to 50% of the quality players that we've had. Uh, At the end of the season, there was some talk on the Kentucky boards that there would be some assistant coaches and stir up there. And that was over a month ago. Uh, My question is, was Illinois proactive or reactive in terms of trying to keep him? Was this something, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes as Illinois basketball fans, but it appeared like we needed to, I went on the Kentucky site and their top assistant coach was making either shy or slightly over a million dollars. And I thought, wow, I thought, we're going to have to step up here. And I guess my question would be, were we more proactive here until they came, or did we try to have some conversations before the season end? And did we, you know, from our athletic department to try to keep him in chin? Well, uh,
2: we you're asking the something? wrong purpose. All we know is what's happened since uh, Kentucky made right. it, made its offer. I'm not aware of any uh, previous Discussions. I mean, when a guy's making almost a half a million, that's pretty good money. And, and for the University of Illinois, they're, they're being paid more than any assistant coaches Illinois ever had by far. I mean, Lou Henson is the head coach. What was what Lou Henson? $36,000. $36,000 $36, was his <laughs> oh. total pay. I mean, Harry Combs retired uh, uh, in 1966 and was making 16000 as a head coach. <laughs> So I don't know I don't I think that when you pay uh, O Orlando when you're paying him nearly 500,000 that's a pretty good pay for a, for an assistant coach now uh it's it's entirely different after this season because we are we're uh, absolutely uh dependent on him with all the players he has already brought in and the players that he's involved with right now which is heavy I mean he's involved with some things in the future right now that are that will fall apart if he leaves. And that's part of... I mean, I think that this is a reaction to that Kentucky offer more so than anything... I don't think it was any intention to pay him a million dollars beforehand. And I don't suppose... Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't suppose there's any coach, assistant coach, in the Big Ten getting a million dollars. I don't know if they're getting more than than half that much. I don't yeah, have any... I, 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 go ahead.
9: Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I just... I guess all of us basketball fans still have a sting from the self situation.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Well, we missed the boat like on that we're one. Going
9: to pay, yeah. If we're going to pay three, the, I, I would guess the coaches over the last, if you took the top 10 to 15, 20 programs, the last three years, those coaches probably averaged $3 million or above. At least Head the coaches. Time. Absolutely. Head coaches. Yes. So, so, it appears like to me that maybe the assistant coaches are being a little undervalued, especially at the top ten or fifteen, twenty programs.
1: Well, I don't know. I, I well maybe generally, but I think in this case, when uh, when Brad Underwood was extended, so was the assistant coach pool. That yeah, by twenty-five uh, percent. Yeah. So the,
2: the assistant coaching pool was raised twenty-five percent about what a year ago. Mm-hmm. But I to that uh, th- that means to me about eight percent per coach if it's twenty five percent. i don't I don't think each one got raised by twenty five percent. I'm not sure. I think the pool of money got raised, and now the pool has gone off. but this is there's nobody, I shouldn't say nobody. there's almost nobody as reliant as Illinois has become on players south of the border <laughs> and you know in Florida and South. I mean, and and we've got the guy that knows more about that than anybody in in Orlando.
9: Well, hopefully a week from now we'll be smiling and have them both back. Yeah. And and whatever it costs, I guess, I guess whatever it costs, it costs. And then you get them locked up and go.
2: Yeah. And 30 years ago we were reveling because every single player was from Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) Now We don't have that.
9: Any any what's your what's your thoughts there from info on Bossman Burdunk? I know he got healthy in the middle of December. He's at least had, you know, a three month stay there in terms of what you could see out of practice. Do you think he's a possible solid person in a rotation down the road, or is it just kind of a wishing probably not gonna pan out type deal?
1: Well, I don't know. That we, yeah, thanks for the call, Rick. We appreciate that. Yeah. I don't know that we have enough information on, I, on him. I definitely to, don't. I to, don't know
2: what to expect when you're. We're clearly recruiting over him. Right. I, I mean, I don't know whether he can compete with with the players that we think we're going to get in, bring in, and I don't know if his intention is to stay or not. I mean, we just saw Hamlin leave, and I think that this will be in the discussions as we see who Illinois has, because nobody wants to be out of the rotation. I mean, if you're in the eight-man rotation, that might be okay. But when you get beyond that, most guys want to
10: transfer. Let's
1: go back to the phones. Alan is with us. Good morning, Alan.
10: Morning, guys. Uh, First of all, I'm surprised uh, people haven't mentioned this past. Maybe they have. I thought for the uh, football season and all of the sports for Illinois this year, I thought they did a tremendous job of not losing games due to COVID. Uh, I did a real good job in football. We never lost a game in football. We never lost a game in basketball due to us. Yep. And I thought whatever they were doing was as good as it gets as you can do because we played most all of our schedule, and and that's to be commended.
2: Well, the University of Illinois deserves that credit, no question.
10: Yes. Anything else? Uh, yeah, one more thing. Uh, the E.J. Liddell thing, what do you think about that? That that caught me by surprise.
2: Well, I think it caught us all by surprise a couple of weeks ago when we heard about his interest in Illinois and the fact that he doesn't want to play center at Ohio State, and they're going to have to find The only way they're going to keep him is to get a center. They have gotten one already. Uh, I don't know if he's good enough, Brunt from Indiana, but uh, that, that's his complaint. And if Kofi came back, there was, uh, first of all, his parents don't like the six-hour trip. You know, that, right. that, that's the main concern. And that's one of the main, the, the two main concerns are the trip and the fact he doesn't want to play center. And he likes Illinois now. And, and uh, I think the Mark Smith, uh, whatever black mark, black mark that put on us uh, for a while down there in that area in terms of recruiting, uh, I think that's gone.
10: Well didn't the parents really realize it was gonna be a six hour drive in the first place? I mean did that, that situation down there at East San Louis make that big a difference? I guess it did.
2: Oh I think it did. And yeah. what
10: what I mean, changed what's changed since then to make it better?
2: Time. Just time?
1: And making multiple okay. six-hour trips, <laughs> you know, yeah. you you think about a six-hour trip. Well, that's not so bad. But if you're going over there Absolutely. fifteen well, it, times,
2: it's, it was E.J. Liddell's decision anyway. Right. I mean, it wasn't his parents' decision, and uh, you know, and he may go back there, and they may be stuck with the same situation. Uh, I don't know. I, I think, as I said, he's got three options: he can turn pro, he can go to Illinois, he can stay at Ohio State, and he's going to do one of the three. <laughs> And I don't know which one it is.
10: Well, if he does come to Illinois, we're probably only gonna get him for one year too. if he inflates. Oh yeah, we're only
2: gonna probably get him for one. His goal is to turn pro, and that's why if he comes to Illinois, right. that's to Absolutely. play a power forward position next to Kofi and and maybe and both of them would like to turn pro.
10: I could see us losing about six players next year. <laughs> well <laughs> I need you to think year. more
1: positively, Alan. <laughs> Thanks for the call I am, though. I am, I am. Okay, thanks. Let's go to uh, Bill here before the break. Bill in Ogden.
11: How you guys doing? Um, uh, well, one guy pitched based on what I wanted to talk about about Antigua leaving, but Chin Coleman's possibly leaving too. I didn't hear yeah. anything on that. Yeah, I
2: think he, he as of yesterday morning he had not yet negotiated with Kentucky, but he had been contacted.
11: They're so going to take two of our assistant coaches, probably. Well, I mean, that's a good sign for the head coach, but man, that's a, that's a big hit as far as I'm concerned. And I hope we match their offer or whatever. And, and uh, I just think the basketball program's in the right direction, so I hate to mess it up like that. Yep. And uh, another thing on football: could you fill me in on the on the game that was played Monday? And uh, you know. Did they show anything What we're going to see in the fall, I guess? Well,
2: I, right. think, I think defensively we showed uh, we're going to probably use an, an odd man front. I think that uh, offensively it's clear that uh, Peters is your quarterback. You've got a good veteran players at a lot of positions, not great players necessarily by NFL standards, but good solid players. They're all going to be 23, 22, 23. I mean, uh, Peters is going to be 24 years old in October. This is an old team. And uh, it should be uh, relatively effective, but I don't think it's going to be a great team. I think it's going to be a team that's going to be highly competitive with the first six games. And then you're going to w- start wading into Penn State and Wisconsin and Iowa and in the late season. It's going to be tough. That's, that's the way I see it.
11: Uh, how about the starting lineup for the basketball team next year? <laughs>
2: oh, well, <laughs>
6: Go on.
1: tell me who's going to be back. <laughs> no, no. Good question, Bill, but we don't have that much time. No. All right. Uh,
2: Corbello right, will be the point guard. How about that? <laughs> right. All right,
1: bye-bye. Yeah, thanks. 1032, we'll take a break. and be back with more Illini Palace Saturday Sports Talk after this. It is moving up on 1035, Illini on Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11 o'clock. A lot of basketball talk this morning. We had some Illinois football talk as well as uh, Brett Bielma and his staff are wrapping up uh, 15 spring football practice sessions over the weekend. They had their spring game last Monday night, but a lot of basketball talk, Illinois and Big Ten basketball. We're going to continue down that line now. Jeff Rabjohns, a friend from Indiana, covers uh, the Hoosiers for 24-7 sports over there. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, how are you? What's, uh, what are you up to? Are you watching some hoops today? Good morning.
12: Good morning. Terrific. Yeah, yeah. I just stepped outside, but uh, it was a big AAU tournament uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, Teams from Boston to Florida to the Midwest to Texas, Las Vegas, everywhere. So up and running for the spring. Yeah.
1: We kind of wanted to talk to you about uh, the University of Indiana with their new basketball coach, Mike Woodson. How has that hire gone over now that it's been, what, uh, close to a month, I guess, since he was named?
12: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, with what's happened, I think people have actually uh, – anybody who wasn't on board is on board, and the people who are on board are, are now uh, uh, putting the gas pedal down full throttle because uh, his first, first month has been uh, nothing short of terrific, really. Uh, he was able to keep lead recruiter Kenya Hunter, uh, brought in Dane Fife, former player who was on Tom Izzo's staff, added another really strong recruiter, um, then they turned around and then and they got uh, an impact transfer and Xavier Johnson from Pittsburgh, added a national top thirty prospect, uh, Tamir Bates at IMG Academy in Florida, and um, you know got in on some other players. And in addition to that, I think the other thing that he, that he did was you know he he kept a number of the really good players. You know, he kept All American Trace Jackson Davis, who was probably. He was probably about 98, 99 percent, you know, going pro, whether that be NBA, G League, International or whatever. He was he was at the point he was ready. You know, he's turned 21 already. And he thought, okay, it's time to start the pro component of my career. Mike Woodson says, well, you can do that or I can teach you how to be a pro because that's what I've been coaching for the last 22 years. So that was that was a big, uh, big deal for for Mike Woodson. Except five-star freshman point guard Christian Lander, obviously lost a couple guys. Lost Armand Franklin to Virginia. Lost backup center Joey Brunk to Ohio State. Um, but overall, the players he's brought in, uh, the players he was able to keep, really has you know a lot of IU fans feeling feeling really good after his first uh, three four weeks on the job.
2: Uh, Jeff, what what is uh, Miller going to do now? What do you hear from him? Is he going to sit out a year? Is he has he landed a spot yet?
12: Yes, yeah, he hasn't landed anything yet. Um, he's not really, like, pushing hard for anything. Not yet. At least that's the vibe that I get. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, Indiana is, uh, still ho- owes him $10.3 million. So it's not as if he has to you know, rush to the unemployment office here uh, the next couple weeks. But I expect him to get back in relatively soon. But... I, I unless something really good opens, you know, I, I don't know if he's gonna, if he's gonna just take anything. You know, there were there were some people who wanted Cincinnati to give him a call, but Cincinnati went with Wes Miller, uh, who obviously built uh, UNC Greensboro uh, into a terrific mid-major program. So I don't know if there's a job you look at right now and say, okay, that makes a ton of sense. Obviously, you know, his brother's out at Arizona. Um, you know, they brought in. Uh, their former player, was a Gonzaga assistant, so there's been a change in Arizona. So, I, I think I think this year most likely, I think he's out. Uh,
2: did, did you say how much did you say they owed him? Was it ten million?
12: Yeah, they owe him ten point three million, and yeah. obviously, like all contracts, it's offset by future earnings. Um, but right now, yeah, they they owe him ten point three million.
2: Tell me the really good rumor as to who paid that.
12: I don't know. I oh, don't, don't know. you really know? I honestly don't. Okay. I don't. I don't. Uh, you don't think I, it was the, not,
2: da, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks?
12: I can tell you this. It's not Mark Cuban.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Because
12: <laughs> that, I emailed with Mark Cuban, and he said it wasn't me. And I said, okay. I said, I appreciate it. And he <laughs> said, by the way, you can print the email that I told you it wasn't me because I'm telling you the truth, Jeff. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> well, all right. Well, you you know the rumor was really uh, was really going around because he did graduate from Indiana, uh, Mark sure. Mark and Cuban. He's but the
7: big thing.
12: Very he's very involved. They have the Mark Cuban Center uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it was a very understandable rumor. But Mark swears it's not true, and other people actually have told me it was not Cuban.
2: Okay, but um, what? By the way, what I mean, are you?
4: It was, it was a fun
12: rumor, right? Hey,
2: <laughs> right. Well, uh, you say you're watching AAU. Can coaches attend any of this? I mean, they're barred, aren't they?
12: That, yeah, they can't watch anything until June first at the earliest.
2: And and uh, how many people like you are able to come in, go in there?
12: Uh, well, as many people who are you know as crazy or delusional and nutty as I am, are going to go watch that.
2: <laughs> no, but you weekend. you're a media person, I mean, you 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 get you can get a credential. I mean, is uh, yeah. can just ordinary fans go in?
12: Yeah, yeah, uh, fans are allowed. Okay, um, you know asking people to put masks on like you know like normal for the past 10 12 months or whatever it has been but yeah it's open to fans and there's there's fans here um, a couple of big high schools here on the north side of Indy with um, the Pacers Athletic Complex at Grand Park yeah it's, uh, it's open to the media um, and it's it's open to open to fans I think there's probably a capacity limit but you know you're not going to hit a capacity limit um, you know on a 5000 seat gym for AU.
1: Talking to Jeff Rabjohns, he covers Indiana for 24-7 sports. I mean, Illinois has a, a verbal commit for the class of 2022 from an Indiana player, Reggie Bass. What do you know about him?
12: Sure, yeah. He was originally from Muncie, um, Indiana, and uh, then went to uh, a couple different prep schools. Um, he's about 6'4", 6'5", uh, good athlete, uh, good shooter. Um, his handles really improving. Uh, he's got good length. Um, I think the one thing that he's going to need to work on to really be an impact player in the Big Ten uh, is going to have to work on just kind of his mobility, short space quickness, those kind of things. He plays a little too upright at times, um, which which works at the high school level because you can kind of overpower guys. Uh, but he's going to need to work on, you know, kind of his hips are a little stiff. He's got to be able to, he needs a little quicker change of direction. He's going to need a little more change of speed. Uh, but if he can if he can make shots at his size, then he's somebody who can help Illinois in the big 10.
2: You know, I was looking at uh, next year's projections, which you really can't do, but I did it anyway, to get an idea of where the team's stand in the big 10. I was shocked to see how high Purdue was ranked. Is Purdue going to be that good next year?
12: You know, that's going to be interesting. I think they have a chance to be because uh, Jade Ivey has a chance to be an all Big Ten level guard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got guys like Brandon Newman uh, who can go out there and make shots. You know, Ethan Morton should develop into a little more of a playmaker. <clears throat> um, you know, Travion Williams is back. So he's probably going to be, you know, arguably um, the best returning post player um, in the Big Ten with, with all the people who have left. Um, you still got Zach Eady down there who's seven foot four and, you know, really got to the point he could, you know, he he could score in the post and, mm-hmm. you know, he might only play 12, 14 minutes or so, but it was, it was it was an impactful stretch. So yeah, I I think they can be pretty good, Lauren. I, I really do. You know, whether or not they can win it or not, I don't know, but I, I think they can be pretty good. And I do think one of the things like, you know, you've seen this over the years, you know, sometimes in key games, what's the difference? It's a guard who can take over at some point in time. Ayo Somo probably was the poster child for that, for not only the Big Ten, but maybe college basketball last year. And I think Jaden Ivey has some of that in him. I don't think he's going to get anywhere close to Ayo's level, but he has just sort of some of that in him. Like when it's crunch time and somebody has to go make two, three, four plays in a row, I think he's kind of got that muscle to him.
2: Back to Indiana, how will Miller Cop fit from Northwestern?
12: I think what what they really wanted was, um, you know, they'd gotten some guard additions, some guys who could make shots, some guys who could break down defenders off the dribble. One of the things they wanted was somebody in a six foot six to six eight range who could make shots. Um, and obviously, you know, Big Ten experience helps. But cops cops a uh, he's a thirty six percent career three point uh, shooter, shot thirty nine percent from three as a sophomore, that uh, did dip down to around thirty three thirty four percent as a junior. But part of that was because in certain situations, Chris Collins basically told him, "You got to take the shot. I don't care if it's a good shot or a bad shot. You got to take the shot." And the other thing is, you know, he started 74 Big Ten games over the course mm-hmm. of three years. So, you know, you get a lot of Big Ten experience there. A little bit of an older guy, stronger guy. But that—that's what—that's what Mike Woodson wanted was a guy in the six-six to six-eight range who could really stretch the floor, create space, make
2: threes. Are we beyond uh, the point where we can be concerned about players transferring within the conference? I mean, that was once considered a no-no.
12: Yeah, you know, I to be honest, I think with the new portal rules and the fact that everybody is going to get one free transfer during their four-year career, free transfer meaning you can transfer and play immediately yeah, anywhere. You don't need a waiver and you have stuff. I think it's going to be – I think we're going to see – Movement every spring. And I think we're going to see movement inside the Big Ten at times. I just think it's going to be part of the course. I think spring movement is just going to be another part, another like layer of, of, of recruiting. And I think it's going to happen uh, You know, I've, going forward. I don't think it's going away.
1: Jeff, we'll let you get back inside. Appreciate uh, catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time.
12: Always good to talk to you guys. Lauren, take care of yourself, Hall of Famer.
2: Thanks, Jeff.
1: (laughs) Jeff Johns from the state of Indiana, covering uh, Indiana sports for 247sports.com. It is 1045. We've got 15 minutes left if you'd like to join us. 217-356-9397. You know, the brand of Pella Windows is rated number one by Champaign Homeowners as the window brand that can improve the values of of your home and the folks at Illini Pella. Windows and Doors want to help you find the perfect window or door for your property. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, check out the showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign and see the products in person. Discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of the the between-the-glass blinds, or the durability of fiberglass entry doors. The Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best in each unique situation, and working with them is easy. They'll be there for you from the uh, start to the finish, from the picking out the product to the installation, and they'll help you with financing, too, if that uh, is an issue. Visit their local showroom to get started, 1001 North Country Fair Drive. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. You can also see a wide range of their products at their website, PellaOfChampagne.com, Mike Mella. Mike Mary and the folks at Pella. We ought to change his name to Mike Mella. Mike uh, Mary at the Pella window store. would we'll be glad to see you. Stop by and see him soon. We'll be back with more of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk in just a moment. Ten forty-nine, 49 Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk until 11 o'clock 217-356-9397 Here's the phone number if you still like to get in. We'd uh, be happy to hear from you. Some news out of uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. In the last day or so, the Razorback Foundation and Coach Brett Bielma have announced that they have resolved their differences. There was, uh, as they say, some differences in the departure of uh, Coach Bielma from Arkansas. The parties agreed to a framework in which the coach will receive two years and six weeks worth of payments. Under their two thousand seventeen release and waiver agreement, and the Razorback Foundation will be released from one year's worth of payments. Under these terms, the Razorback Foundation will make a final payment of three million five hundred twenty-nine thousand one hundred sixty-seven dollars to Coach Bielma, and he will release the Razorback Foundation from payments of three point eight. Million. dollars, Both parties will be required to dismiss their lawsuits and be responsible for their own attorney's fees. Upon completion of the settlement process, the Razorback Foundation will have paid Coach Brett Bielma a total amount of $8,085,000 8, 8, million. of the original $11,935,000 set forth in the party's original agreement and will have been released. From 3.8 million, as we said, so they, I guess everybody's happy, <laughs> including the attorneys. I, I don't suppose that the
2: Razorback <laughs> Foundation is particularly happy, but uh, nevertheless, uh, uh, it's settled. And, and
1: that that stemmed from when he left and took mm-hmm. other jobs at, in the NFL at very minimal wage.
2: They claimed that that the, the, the his pay in his first couple of years was held down because they knew that they had to pay the difference. Right. Yeah.
1: So that's uh that's what's going on there. You were uh, talking to me off the air a little bit about Albert Pujols. Well, they don't
2: know what to do with Albert at, at Anaheim. I mean, he just uh he, since he left the Cardinals, he he averaged uh, for the Cardinals, he played 1700 games and he batted 328 on average. And and a good slugging percentage, he had 445 home runs and 1,300 uh, uh, RBIs uh, with the Cardinals. Since he's gone to Anaheim, Angels, uh, he's played fewer games, but he's batting two fifty seven on average, and it's lower than that now and figures to be lower than that this season, slugging his way down. He has hit 215 home runs there, but the point is that, Steve, when you sign those long-term contracts for $30 million a year, you really hate paying the last 30, don't you, Uh Mr. Carpenter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's
2: just, I mean, he's just, Carpenter's just dying at the plate, and you just feel sorry for him because he can't hit anymore.
1: Yep. Here's a guy i like to talk baseball with us, I'm sure. Marty with us from Pinehurst oh. to North Carolina. Go ahead, Marty.
11: Darn, you're forcing me to talk baseball. Shoot. I tell you what, uh, Lauren, I agree with you. Carpenter, I, I called a friend of mine last night in Utah. who was a Cardinal fan, and I said, how long are we going to keep playing a guy at second base that isn't very good defensively anymore and is batting 07 whatever? Because you can't, the bottom of our order, we need, we need, we got enough rookies, we don't need a, a veteran that hits less
2: well, they keep coming back, you know, with that idea of how, how hard is the ball coming off his bat? How much of the barrel is he getting? He's getting it a lot, and he's hitting it right where all the fielders are. <laughs> yeah, he, so, yeah. you know, he I can't mean, help it. He's so far out in front all the time, and that left side of the field is wide open.
11: Do you remember when he first came up, he hit lots of balls to left center singles all the time. They got on him wanting him to have more power. And he had a couple really good years, two, three really good years. And then he became a home run hitter. And since then, he's not been worth a hoot. Yeah. And uh, it's sad.
1: Plus, we still don't know well, how old he is.
11: Well, <laughs> I tell you what, and then you got Pujols. Those long-term contracts, There's a, the only long-term contract I thought that was signed that was big at the time, but it didn't end up being really big, was Matt Holliday. That paid off. Scherzer has paid off on the pitching side, but most of them are utter failures the last three or four years of the deals, yep. and they should know it going in. Um, I, I like uh, Kim's getting back to normal. I, I like the decent starting pitching the last week, but I still think we need an outfield bat that we don't have that bothers me a little bit. But on the, on the long haul, the division isn't that great if you hang in there don't get too worried because it's early in the season, guys. It's early. Now, Antigua, they need to keep him. They really need to keep him, and I hope uh, I hope Whitman can be very persuasive. And great show, guys. I, I appreciate every Saturday. I look forward to this greatly. You guys make my week.
2: Well, I think uh, I think Antigua's situation it, it isn't so much of whether. Uh, whether Whitman can influence him is whether how much money we're talking about here. I mean, if, if well, Kentucky I mean. if Kentucky is already paying their, an assistant a million bucks, ooh. Well, boy, that, you know, I mean,
11: Lauren, Mark Cuban is an Indiana alum with a lot of money. There's a lot of U of I alums with a lot of money out
2: there. Yeah, I know.
11: Go find go find one that'll help just to keep the basketball program going in a direction, which could take them very far in the next few years. He may have
2: already done they're that.
11: Bringing in are good. I think yeah, it's safe
2: to say that, that he has.
1: Hey, Marty, appreciate the call. Well, Thank you, sir.
11: Take care, guys.
1: Yep. 1055. Need to take a final break. We'll do that and be back after this. A couple of minutes left here on the program. Some high school football action last Nice. And by my count, I think this was week six of six. So that's wrapping up. Alcola beat uh, Grove Heritage. Arthur Lovington at Hammond was a winner over Argena Oriana. Bismarck Henning, Rossville Alvin, shut shutout Salt Fork. Tuscola pounded Shelbyville. Muhammad Seymour beat Taylorville 56 to nothing. It was Clifton Central 42 nothing over Watsika. Oakwood beat uh, Hoopston area would Potomac sixty to fifty sixty to fifty four was that score. Uh, I
2: promise that next fall, I will this coming fall, I will pay attention and keep on uh, my mind on high school football. It's hard but to I do have it really failed this spring. It, it just doesn't seem right.
1: It doesn't. Hopefully, we'll get back to normal. Hopefully, they they'll be okay and turning around in the fall and getting set to play another season. But. Uh, that's wrapping up no playoffs or anything just they had a six-week schedule yeah and uh, yesterday baseball the cubs beat milwaukee the cardinals over cincinnati the white Sox beat texas all those teams play each other again today it was 22 years ago last night fernando tatis senior hit two grand slams in the same inning off the same pitcher never been done and probably never will be done
2: well, he never will be. And his son hit two home runs yesterday, but nobody on base. <laughs> Is that right? Well, I don't know how many. They weren't grand slams.
1: He hit two off Chen Ho Park. My, my comment was, why was Chen Ho Park still in the game the next time he came up in the same inning in which they scored 11 runs? The
2: manager did not want to waste his bullpen got on a you. lost game. That's
1: that's going to take care of things. Thanks to Dave Leak for his help on the show. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Have a good weekend.